coming to you live from Teferi's Isle on the Plain of Dominaria. This is Tap Tap Concede. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tap Tap Concede. I am uh, your host for this episode, Cameron, and joining me is Nelson. Hi, I'm Nelson, your co-host. Yeah, let's... I, I also would like to be a co-host. I, I will allow you the title of co-host, having claimed it first. Together. Yes, here I am on the mountain of co-host personship, and I would like to offer you the uh, conciliatory banner of being a co-host. That is the nicest thing anyone has done for me since uh, this afternoon. Great. Thank you. All I'll right, well... Uh, we here at Tap Tap Concede uh, are brought to you by the very kind people over at CardKingdom.com. CardKingdom.com, a clean, well-lit place to storm out. They have this wonderful online presence where you can go and order cards and they will ship them with great celerity. Ah, Ooh. how do you like that? There's my English degree. Um, are we a Vampire the Masquerade podcast? Oh, Just kidding. Go on. If only... You know, was it the Tories yeah. and the Bruja who had celerity? That sounds, I don't know if it was the, yeah, maybe. Toreador and, yeah. Yeah, definitely the Toreadors. I can't remember who else. Yeah, because it gave them fine control. Yeah, if you get old enough, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So if you are considering going online to buy Magic the Gathering singles uh, associated product, and if you live within the United States sealed product, please consider cardkingdom.com slash LRR. That will enter our affiliate code and let them know that we sent you. And if you do purchase anything and you enter into the box at the end of the transaction, loading ready run sent me button, please, they will send you, uh, stocks permitting, a little one-inch button, which I believe currently reads, sideboarding is an admission of defeat. I use them at least because I really like them. They're good people and they, they do good work. If you need magic cards, they've got magic cards for you. Yes, they... They, they can exchange magic cards for uh, currency. Speaking of currency, this podcast is also brought to you by you, the viewer, over at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. Pay them so they pay us. No, wait, pay us through them? Thank you for your continued support on Patreon, everyone. What he said. I, there's a reason why I'm not allowed to do these. But that, <laughs> that segue was buttery smooth. Thank you, you Nelson. You deserve I, the credit. Uh, I was going to say that I worked on it, but that would be a lie. I came up with that on the fly. You know who worked on things? Who? Magic the Gathering, R&D department, and whoever's in charge of organized play and the banned and restricted lists. Uh, so we're going to talk about some decisions that are coming into effect shortly before, or sh shortly kind of during um, time of recording. And while you're listening to them, the, the new face of Standard and Historic will be all around you. Um, hmm. So we're going to talk about that in just a second, and then we're also tonight, so you know, going to talk a little bit about our experiences uh, at the Arena Open, and we're going to talk just a little bit on the very small number of core 2021 preview cards that are up. So yeah. what happened this week in the world of BNR announcements, Cameron? Well, there were, uh, strictly speaking, in in the realm of those two and a half letters, the B and R, uh, Agent of Treachery and Fires of Invention were both banned in Standard and Historic. 
So Interesting. Th- these cards were problems. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar right. with them, if you've been ground into the dirt by them. I've watched my fio- opponent, uh, you know, get some free spells off of Fires of Invention and kill me a lot quicker than I thought they were going to a couple times. Yeah. yeah. As it turns out, casting two Cavaliers uh, per turn, starting on turn like five or four, is it kind of kind of a beating, kind of mm-hmm. a beating. Um, and then also like Agent of Treachery just leading to this very unpleasant clock. Agent of Treachery doing you, a just makes bunch you want to go outside. Standard. Oh, good. All right. Cameron and I normally have this hilarious, so everyone's picking it up on now, hilarious timing thing where we both have the exact same or almost the exact same amount of Canadian. No, you. No, you go first. Go ahead. And and when we're sitting next to each other in the moon base, we can totally hack it. But now that we have to do these on audio only from each of our living rooms, we're on extra like hard, hard listening duty. And I'm failing badly so far. Sorry, Cameron. Oh, don't don't. It's it's also my fault. Right. Like it's that kind of thing where you don't actually pay attention to how much information you're getting through your peripheral vision from your neighbor's body language. Yeah. About like cues about when to speak. Yeah, you're committing an act of treason when you talk over someone else to to loop it back into um, the agent of treachery. I was going to say Luca, Coppercoat Outcast, and Winota, both from Ikoria, Winota, Winota Joiner of Forces, have been relying on agent of treachery as the top end of these uh, powerful and, mm. you know, kind of metagame uh, sharing uh, pieces of the the standard format, just important decks in, in standard, the Winota decks and the Luca decks. Yep. So a lot of a lot of Agent of Treacheries have been floating around. So it's not too surprising, I guess, to see those ones banned. No, I mean, I suppose this also does kind of follow a certain logic that Watsi has tried recently, where you try not to ban the more expensive part of the deck. Right. Right. Like, I suppose Agent of Treachery might have been the the one that stung the least. It's weird because I get, I think I'm not alone in, you know, being having played lots more magic arena than any other kind of magic lately it, on magic online. There are card prices. Uh, and obviously in the paper world, there are card prices, but on magic arena, there are only wild cards. So it's kind of like whatever rare you chose to ban hits the players mm-hmm. equally. And this, you know, this is both elegant at times and frustrating at other times, you know, you can't build, um, you can't build a deck that would be a bunch of dollar rares on Magic Arena. Like I, I jumped to do mm-hmm. that at the beginning of the Aquaria season. Like I built, I, I crafted a bunch of Doom Foretolds, and then immediately the next week I was like, oh, I, I didn't get all my triomes built. This was, <laughs> this was folly. <laughs> I'm out of wild cards, right? Right, right. When you go for the like the, um, the the fun deck rather than going with your fun dementals. Yeah. Right, you can kind of punish yourself. Did you like that one? I I loved it. Thank you. Let's also talk about the other part of the announcement. So, oh yeah, I guess we glossed over Historic. Historic had the same two bands as Standard. I don't actually play Historic. I've watched some Historic, and it looks fun. And I would, I probably should have gotten into it this last week, but instead I just played a ton of Counter Strike instead of playing the like the sort of dead <laughs> Standard format. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like. Uh... <laughs> So there are some, uh, yeah, standard bannings, but I wouldn't know about that because Valorant came out this week. Finally. <laughs> exactly. Just... 
Yeah, you know it. Um, but the same two cards got banned in Historic. So I imagine that, like, I know Winota is a powerful card in Historic as well. There's more targets you can get. I've seen some lists with, um, I think it's Angrath's Marauders at the top end, but I bet there were lots of people playing Agent as well. And Agent also slots into bigger mana ramp decks, which have legs in Historic. And then Fire is probably the same thing. Just probably the same play patterns where you have Teferi into Fires into some kind of top end. Take a look at this pile of unrelated rares. Exactly. Uh, okay, so there was one other component of the banned and restricted announcement that we've been talking about a little bit about on this podcast, and this week we finally get to find out what it was. Yep, and that is the change to companion, which is something that we have not really seen Watsy do before. Um, so companion now has new rules text which is once per game, anytime you could cast a sorcery, you can pay three generic mana to put your companion from your sideboard into your hand. This is a special action, not an activated ability. That's right. So special actions, this one, it says you can only do it whenever, you know, you could cast a sorcery, which is nice. It prevents some like shenanigans, particularly like it, it prevents um, hand attack spells from getting kind of foibled by getting to move your um, or foiled, I mean, to, uh, by getting to move your companion into your hand. And then it also just makes it feel a little bit cleaner. Lots of other special actions in the game happen only at a certain time or whenever you want. There's a few cards in the game that offer the the special action upon resolution of, of the card. And then it can happen just any time, which is really weird because sometimes sometimes it can even happen like during the resolution of another spell or whatever. Anyways. I'm trying to think of like what all the special actions are in the game. Is putting a land into play a special action? Is that um, or is I think so. if it's your if it's your land drop from the turn, it might be yeah because you don't pass priority. Certainly, untapping your lands hmm. like that's a game hmm. action. Um, drawing your card during your draw step, attacking with your creatures, blocking. But I don't know if these are actually special actions. I think these are just normal game actions. So special actions are just. Like lay in an arbiter, I believe that's a special action. Okay. When you pay two mana to lay in an arbiter. The one I always remember is Quenchable Fire, which wasn't a constructed card. It was just this draft card from uh, Conflux, where you you it's like four mana and you deal three damage to a player, and then they can pay one blue mana sometime within the next whole turn cycle, and then if they don't, they take three more damage on their following oh. upkeep, like two, or two upkeeps after that or something like that. Okay. So does this use the stack? No, none of the special actions use the stack. They're just a thing you do, and then mm-hmm. you just get to do it. No one responds, and then whoever had priority gets priority back, or active player gets priority. All right, so this basically is very similar to how Companion worked before, but now it just costs you three mana. The fact, sorry, the fact that it's sorcery speed actually makes it even worse against hand attack spells, because there's going to be some turns where your best move is just to move it into your hand and then pass right. to your opponent, where they get their whole turn to cast their hand attack spells. So it's, I guess, yeah, it's way worse for that reason, as opposed to just being a three mana extra tax you pay before you can cast it. Like, say, the ability was you may pay three mana, and then later you will be allowed to cast this spell. That would be a much better deal than the one we have now, where you have to move it to your hand. My feeling on this change is, I guess... It's we're still experiencing like this is the the biggest effect I would say of like you know 
the evolution of the fire philosophy where like they want to make sure that the cards they print are what is it again it's fun fun um um what's the i replayable is the r interesting yep fun interesting replayable and exciting right Mm -hmm. so you know the more errata you slam on it the harder it is to get that r i guess but yeah you know i guess i'm still along for the ride certainly go ahead yeah, well, I mean, this this is a challenging thing for 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 wizards to do, right? Um, I mean, we've definitely had cards that have been oracle texted to have, you know, a subtly or radically different effect than what was printed on the card, or yeah. a different like rules interpretation, but nothing that changed it quite this way, or changed this many cards at once. It's, I think, the biggest, fu- yeah, fundamental change. To agree with you, like. I can't think of another errata that's a bigger deal. With Arena being a thing now, I wonder if this is how Wizards might start approaching things with essentially errata to cards, where because the they can just change it on Arena, they might feel a little more emboldened to make changes of this type. Yeah, it's possible that Arena really backs up the fire philosophy, where it's like, just make sure that like, every set has cards that attract people's attention that people want to try and play. And we'll cut, we'll, you know, we'll fix it later, mm-hmm. which is like disappointing and sloppy, right? If, I mean, if that's yeah. the case, that's disappointing I mean, and sloppy. Yeah. I, I don't, this is also me just being like, yes, the thing that I just theorized, I don't like it at all. Right. Right. I, uh, <laughs> But we, you know, it's it's in the back of various people's minds. So it's, I think it's worth addressing. It's okay to address it. It's not necessarily the case. Yeah. It is an ongoing concern, right? Like, if they have this tool in their toolbox, then maybe it's something they will feel more comfortable using in the future, right? And maybe that's good for arena players who get more powerful cards and, you know, they, they get uh, uh, this ability to have problems fixed i guess if you care about fixing problems but for those of us who play paper we're going to have to like keep all of this in mind although i suppose that's something magic players just do already all of the time yeah kind of if if you are you yourself are like grumpy that you invested in buying like single companions cards because this was the most exciting thing you'd ever seen and like such a big change to the way magic works and like obviously had a huge splash in every constructed metagame and now your cards don't do anything kind of i yeah i definitely feel like it's fair to feel disgruntled you know as a paper player right there's no you know there's no cash in your companions for wild cards even on arena and there's definitely no cash in any of the things that you bought and then before it got errata and that's the same with banned announcement it's like these 10 cards aren't banned but for the purpose of like investors or whatever or you know just anyone who built decks like players the purpose of players who bought these singles it's like they're banned yeah right like if if this was your linchpin if you were absolute if your deck was all in on getting Luris down on turn three well then you're out of luck right like the card isn't banned but the deck mm-hmm. does no longer work the way that you needed it to yeah, I think actually Yorion decks in Standard might still be fine. They're definitely affected. And I think probably in Standard, Wilderness Reclamation will take more of the metagame share now that Fires and Fires has been banned and Yorion's been nerfed. 
Um, but Yorion's probably still playable. I don't feel great about Luris or Obosh. Yeah, I mean, seeing the decks that were running Luris, well, no, that was really more of a vintage legacy problem. Imori might still be fine, actually. I've been playing a bit of Imori lately, and I don't know. Sometimes you have way too much mana anyway, and it's just kind of an extra body to cast. Yeah, I mean, I think my favorite deployment of um, a companion remains the decks, or the creatureless decks that were running Kahira as just like an eighth card in in their hand as a 3-2. Yeah, those decks care about this nerf the least, right? Because they still just have that extra 3-2. It costs three more mana, but they probably don't care that much. Unless the plan was just always slamming Kahira on turn three to block and then untapping and casting Shatter the Sky. If that was the plan in those decks, I never played those decks, if that's not abundantly clear. But uh, yeah, if that was the plan, suddenly <laughs> that is off. I admired their moxie. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I also wanted to say that, like, you know, banning essentially this whole mechanic, like nerfing this whole mechanic to the point that it, you know, three more, it's like, it's like all these cards just cost three more mana. If you add three more mana onto a card that you had planned for constructed, like that kind of means you just shoved it into the world of draft, right? Like you generally don't, you know, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be as concerned about Jace the Mind Sculptor if it costs seven or Stoneforge Mystic if it costs five. And you can pay this three mana installment. So that's, that matters. That actually does make it cheaper. But it's still, like, this is a very big deal. Like, this is a, a blunt hammer that they hit it with, and it's not the ban hammer, but it's very close. You know, this is a big nerf. It wasn't one more mana that they're charging on top of companions. Or, like, a scaled, like, you know, Kahira costs one more, Obosh costs two more, Luras costs three more, or whatever like that. It was just everything costs three more. It's a huge sweeping effect, yeah. Like, my, my own personal philosophy on things is that I find failure and mistakes interesting right i right i tend not to hold people's mistakes against them i don't get too bent out of shape when people make interesting mistakes i find interesting failures are a lot more worthy of thought than just things that are out of the park successes um so wizard's approach to this has been kind of engaging for me right i want to see where this all goes but that comes from a relatively privileged position of not having had not having bought these cards right yeah. like i i exist in a space that is not terribly invested in standard but now i get to look at you know loris and think oh well maybe this card will come down in price and i'll just be able to pick up a foil relatively cheaply honestly it's the price of cards thing that like bothers me the most about this if hmm. As an arena player, I am more of an arena player now, obviously, we all are. But as an arena player, because I played, you know, arena before the pandemic and whatnot. But I don't so much mind if, like, tons of stuff got banned. You know, if, like, they banned a card every week for the arena standard metagame, that would be cool. Like, I, I would I would roll with it. It it might cost a bit more, but it would also kind of be a bit more fun. Um, and they've, they've given that to us a couple times. I remember there was, like, an arena just this week event you can play where it's just, like, a thousand gold and you know get 2000 gold if you get three wins or whatever where like 20 cards were banned and it went all the way down to like the gates ablaze was banned like huh. so so many cards were banned all of the top tar card 
all of the top cards were banned for this like right. standard what if format as well as a bunch of the tier two cards like just cards that you were kind of familiar with but weren't even really a problem like not cards that were ever gonna get banned in real standard but just like format staples exactly and so hmm. you know people always just will find whatever is the best in each format including those ones so that's i don't know that that'd be cool for arena but on paper it's like if you're an FM player you can't afford that obviously you can't no, afford for a card to get banned every week um so i wonder if we're going to a space where like you know it makes more so like there'll just be little mini seasons inside of each set release where it's like okay the sets the sets released yes we've we've tested it obviously we're gonna introduce it like this but hey you know give us one more month to iron out the kinks as the hive mind play tested and there's some serious tournaments and then like the week after the pro tour there's a banning and then maybe that also comes to the announcement that like okay and now for the next three months or whatever like whatever happens we're not going to ban any cards from this set and that that could be like the point at which it's like safe to buy in standard so hmm. i i wouldn't mind if there was something like that like like an actual release about like because we have regular bnr announcements so it's it's already sort of that but what bnr announcements mean has kind of been changing like the stakes are just getting higher as as we've seen this week with like a whole mechanic getting basically banned so it i don't know i need to i feel like we all need to be a little bit more careful about how we buy and maybe like you know just just waiting until these pro tours to get into standard decks and it feels terrible saying that as an lgs employee sorry right lgs owners the world around or whoever's listening to this that's not what i want to have to say so that so that's part of the cost of of this fire philosophy it's just like not feeling really secure about paying for cards if you know that they're going to be suddenly worthless like a month later so that's that's tough I, and I also have heard like some reasonable complaints from people saying that like the fire philosophy has led to a, it's not always a good thing that every new set has just more powerful cards because that yeah, pushes it's out, a balance right yeah yeah it because it pushes out people's pet cards and it also you know leads to this kind of unsustainable situation where the game where where if everything is getting better all the time then it, it eventually it's going to hit a breaking point right and arguably it already has several times right yeah i mean i'll be first to say i do want to say in the defense of what's happening now like you know try to offer the other side here like i don't ever want to have to open another born of the gods like that set was just so mm. milk toast like there's just nothing going on obviously there was um brimaz and corsair and first kiora and then like but after that it really just the set didn't have enough going for it, it wasn't it wasn't on the fire philosophy it was on the like we have we have the whole this you know year of standard mapped out we're going to make sure it's safe and like this set it had to have some filler but we preserved the rest of the environment and like you know those Elspeth Suns champions everyone bought into, you know, and those uh, Whip of Erebos's and Thragtus and whatnot, like those are still going to be good. Don't worry. You know, right, right. Sound is a dollar pound there. So like that was not something that we all kind of noticed right away, I don't think, or at least, I don't know, I wasn't on Magic Twitter back then, but um, I didn't notice it right away. But certainly looking back, it's like, yeah, that's that was, if you're going to be disappointed about what just happened with Aquaria, it's like you should also be very disappointed about that set. Um. And then I also want to say about this choice by Watsi to make this big sweeping ban, I think this is like, you know, definitely not worse than the fact that, or maybe, maybe it's, 
it's close. It might be on par, but I, I think the fact that Bitter Blossom never got banned out of standard, maybe that's just me having a pet peeve or whatever, or me not being a good enough player. But I think that like that card was pretty egregious and it was a standard format I played a lot. And like for most of the time it was in standard, you were supposed to be playing it. You know, it was just in this deck that was kind of hard to play relative to the other decks, but it was so good. Like blue black fairies was just very dominant at the top tables and should have, should have been adjusted, but there weren't very many bands back then, you know, a, a standard ban. We went several years without a standard ban. Right. Yeah. I, I always forget that, at some point we were playing bitter blossom and vendillion clique and like uh uh the fairy archmage and standard yeah thoughtsies and cryptic command and mana leak was legal there for a while too cryptic command was in that format yeah so was cryptic command back then watsi didn't ban cards at all and i think with this companion mechanic being released the way it was and then having to get hit with this gigantic nerf hammer it's like okay we we're we're hopefully heading for some sort of Goldilocks standard at the end of the decade or whatever. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I feel like right now, you know, oh, this, this soup is too hot or this porridge is too hot. But like back in bitter blossom days, it was too cold. Hmm. So I hope through the continued trial and error and things, things we learn in the R and D world that eventually we'll get to like a continued porridge that's just right. And I'm sure that's everyone else's hope too. But yeah, that's, those are all my thoughts on the companions. Yeah. It's not an enviable problem to have. And uh, the play design team has like this enormous task before them. So I, I wish them all the luck and in, in, in solving this problem. I want to have interesting and dynamic limited formats. Cause that's where I spend most of my time. And then I also like sleeving up cards. And I would like Me to have too. a standard environment where I, <laughs> what I really enjoyed is that recently it's felt like a lot of the uh, limited archetypes have found something of a home in standard, at least for a little while. Yeah, that cycling deck is like the biggest splash straight from limited to standard that I can remember since like Pickles, the Brian Elemental Vesuvian Shapeshifter deck. Right, exactly. And Although there was a Golgari draft deck that actually 5-0'd a bunch on MTGO. Not a lot of people play it. No kidding. It played a whole bunch of... It was the Golgari mechanics, or I forget, over... No, it's the one that counts the number of creatures in your graveyard. Oh, uh, I know the one you're talking about, and I'm confident everyone else listening everyone knows, knows the we one all talking know. about. The Guilds of Ravna Golgari mechanic. <laughs> that was not a very big deal in Standard. Uh, did have this one deck, where, and it just played like two and three of a bunch of the commons and uncommons from that deck, and it had it posted results so that did happen i also i still have you know the utmost respect for the people working at wizards so mm -hmm. i think it's it's worth voicing your disappointment and being able to separate that from you know just a blind hate <laughs> or a total disdain yeah yeah exactly like this uh, i then again i haven't looked over at what modern and legacy decks and vintage decks look like in the last couple of years so i mean i'll i've heard this is just wall-to-wall urzas there's been a lot of urza in modern yeah urza from hell to breakfast and then i think there was a lot of luris in modern recently so they're probably going back to their urzas now Maybe there'll be a bunch of different things to happen to Modern. I also just haven't played Modern in about nine months, something like that. Hmm. Well, 
do we want to move on to these core 2021 spoilers? Yeah, we absolutely should. And I'd like to apologize on behalf of Cameron and myself to everyone for not being able to come up with a cooler segue into the second smaller portion of our show here. Um, there are. Thank you for apologizing on my behalf, Nelson. Yeah, you're welcome. I got your back. I know you were. I could hear you also trying to think of a sweeter segue than just let's talk about our next thing. I was also yeah. trying to think of a sweet segue with anything. But sometimes you need to just like take the show and just like snap it in half. Right. Yeah. You just, just have to pick it up. That hard discontinuity. That's right. <laughs> 31 minutes and 25 seconds. We started talking about M21 spoilers. OK, first sometimes up, you need to pick up the phone and just make the coldest of cold calls. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted. Have you have you heard the good lo- good news about our Lord and Savior Mangara the diplomat? I have. <laughs> they cost three generic and one white. They are a legendary human cleric with two points of toughness and four points of power. They have lifelink and they have two triggered abilities. Both triggered abilities result in you drawing a card if the following conditions are met. Whenever an opponent attacks with creatures, if two or more of those creatures are attacking you or a planeswalker control, draw a card. Let's come back to that in a second. Whenever an opponent casts their second spell each turn, draw a card. Okay, so the second one, very easy to understand. It's just the reverse of, I want to say, Jorian, Ruin Diver. Whenever you Mm. cast Mm -hmm. your second spell of the turn, draw a card. This is whenever an opponent casts their second spell each turn, draw a card. So right away, Mangara looks like a pretty solid role player for commander if you have a card that says whenever an opponent casts their second spell draw a card you know the the main problem is it's a creature yeah but the first triggered ability it's a mouthful and i'm sure there's a reason that it's templated exactly the way it is but i'm not entirely sure what that reason is but it says whenever an opponent attacks with creatures comma if two or more of those creatures are attacking you and slash or planeswalkers you control, comma, draw a card. Yeah, I guess there must be some weird corner cases where they couldn't have just said whenever an opponent attacks you or planeswalkers you control with two or more creatures, draw a card. Um, yeah, this feels like the way that you would have to explain something that is intuitively very clear to a computer. Right. <laughs> yeah, it reads a little bit like that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Did I mention it has lifelink? It also has lifelink. Pillarfield Ox has come a long way. Yeah, legendary Pillarfield Ox. Reminds me, and I know that in function they're actually very different, but reminds me a little bit of Leovold. Okay, yeah, absolutely. You know, this this card that, like, comes down, uh, draws you some cards, taxes your opponent in some way. That's basically it. That's That's where the similarities end. No, that's fine. It's more expensive than two mana. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the hate cards tend to hover around two mana and sometimes three. And then after that, it's like, well, if I'm playing a card for the disruption, how much mana can I possibly afford to put into it? Um, this is a neat one. I don't I don't actually imagine this being super important in the 60 card constructed world. What do you think? I, I mean... I could say I could see this uh, being present in some kind of like white base control deck or white splashing control deck, but who knows what what core twenty twenty one will will have? I mean, it's it's the Teferi related set, so I'm imagining we're getting a new Teferi, Teferi, uh, and that 
does seem to lend itself well to a control archetype that might want a card like this that can come down, uh, profitably block something, float your life up, and as your opponent tries to overwhelm it, uh, draws or draws you cards and makes you come out ahead of the exchanges, right? That seems like a totally viable thing. But I agree that this card probably will really shine in Commander. Yeah. As just this tremendous engine. I was trying to think of another likely spot for it as a, a creature with a bunch of weird words on it. You'd think maybe the sort of card could end up in a deck that plays Court of Calling or Eladarmy's Call, like a modern deck like that. But mm-hmm. I think the fact that the payoff is just draw a card, it doesn't actually stop your opponent from casting two spells. It doesn't stop your opponent from attacking with a bunch of, bunch of creatures. It's probably just too weak for for modern or, or even pioneer. Um, right. So may, maybe if there's like a toolbox sideboard of a standard deck that has white, this might come in. Some sort of like grindy versus tokens match happens. Like it, you know, Winota isn't banned and that, that deck attacks with multiple creatures and sometimes cast two spells in a turn. So it could be good against There's that human deck. Yeah. That just loves to stack up effects. I don't know if Mangara fits into it, but he does have that keyword. That's true. It is a human that you cast and it makes your other humans bigger when you have um, Thalia's Lieutenant. So it's got that going for it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, in modern humans, I could see you wanting to, there's like some matches maybe where you might want to cut a Mantis Rider for this. It's one more mana, but the effect is neat and that that deck often does play like it's a big grind and so just getting to draw more cards is nice okay maybe maybe humans maybe maybe worth maybe worth keeping your your finger on the on the pulse of that one but in in edh where you can like turn one soul ring two two mangara that seems that seems good yeah then all your all your future opponents soul ring into something else plays boom you draw a card love it (laughs) Mm-hmm. All right, this other card we have for you, I think will also shine in Commander. Uh, it's called Double Vision. It costs mm-hmm. three generic and two red, 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 five mana, for an enchantment with just one triggered ability that says whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. Camp, does this card already exist? It seems so familiar, but I can't... The, uh, I mean, like we've gotten tons of these fork effects, yeah, but never. I don't want to say as a permanent, right? There was that one, um, red creature with flash. That forked something. Yes, yeah, three mana for a two-two, and when it comes down, it flashes something. I think just what I'm thinking of is the, uh, the twinning staff from the recent commander release, which is also mm-hmm. a permanent. I just bought this deck when a DL jacket the other day. Haven't worked there for like two months now, um, but I really wanted to spend some money. So I bought the Calamax, the Storm Sire deck. And Ooh. yeah, so now I believe I'm the proud owner of a twinning staff. Yeah. So this is three mana if you would copy a spell one or more times. Instead, copy it that many times, plus an additional time. You may choose new targets. And then for seven and tap, you can copy and Mr. Source for your control. So this is kind of like, you know, it's a permanent that statically for three mana adds an extra copy but only if you already have a copy and then for seven mana i guess then there's also like the guild mage from um return to ravnica the blue red guild mage that can do it there's a few other things i think just for mana i remember seeing that that guy went infinite with a couple of the arcane cards from kamigawa which i always thought was a cute trick but that's not really here nor there 
I've tried to pull that off in Highlander and it's tough. <laughs> Is it Guild Mage with with uh, Desperate Ritual and Lava Spike? If you get all three cards and they don't kill your Guild Mage in response, uh, you do get to win. Yeah, get to live the dream. But like, yeah, this copies your first instant or sorcery each each turn. Each I like each turn. So again, on in Commander games, it's like you, you'll be able to have one or more instants that you get two copies of on your opponent's turns. And even like unlike almost every other card that copies counter spells, this one you might just want to be still be playing in a deck with counter spells so you can, you know, cast something and then like or your opponent casts something and then maybe someone else tries to profit in response before it resolves like it's a, it's a wrath of god and then so someone casts a spell that sacrifices their own creature to draw cards and then wham you get to like counter both those things Ooh, um, feels good yeah well i'm talking magical christmas land but i think if you're playing double vision in your deck you're in magical christmas land at this point um <laughs> right i think yeah i think i think it'll be a fun card for commander i i like that it's just the triggered ability and not additional mana payments those cards seem to be pretty popular in commander like uh the other one it kind of reminds me of is there's a blue enchantment from Scars of Mirrodin that just says every time you cast a spell, proliferate. And there's no mana attached to this, just once you have the enchantment in play. And th- mm-hmm. these kind of enchantments seem to be pretty popular in Commander decks. So this one I, I have high hopes for. I think we'll I think we'll see it a bit. I wish it all the luck in Constructed. Because I don't see it getting a lot of play in Limited. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, we'll see. I mean, there might be a blue-red spells deck that would absolutely slam this in limited. We only know two of the cards. I mean, I guess that's a free divination probably feels really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, after you've cast two divinations and gotten the copies, now you're ahead on a, on one mana. But yeah, mm. absolutely. More divinations. We want to draw cards. That's what we're here for. <laughs> okay, one more time with this smooth segue. If you have to say it three times, it's probably not the smoothest, but... You know what could have used more luck in Constructed is me last Saturday when I was playing the Arena Open. So nice. I, cho- I chose to go with, uh, after watching a bit of Graham's stream, Graham started off with the cycling deck and then just kept losing to Winota like several games in a row. I think he had two, he might have done three runs. Did you tune in at all? I'm not sure if you, or talk to him about it. I thought he did two and then one with a different deck with it was the Yori. No, it was with the Winota deck, wasn't it? Yes, he definitely. I'm sure he got prizes in at least one of them. I think he, yeah, he might have made it to like somewhere between three and six wins on both of his runs because he played cycling, and I remember he had some gems, so he must have had I think at least three wins, maybe four. Um, and I watched the end of that one. I'm not sure if that was his first or his second run that I tuned into, and then he played. I think he played the Winota, the version with Neoform. So this doesn't run a companion, and. Neoform gives you essentially more copies of Winota in your deck. That's the advantage of it. Um, I played the other version. Um, this is the same version that Kenji played, uh, Numat the Nummy. And Kenji managed to go 7-2 even with punting. So I was like, this sounds great. But I managed to punt more and only go 6-3. Um, oh, no. Yeah, it's okay. And then I and then I doubled, doubled down. I managed to get in a second run. This, this tournament was pretty cool. It was way faster than I thought it was going to be. Uh, so kudos to the arena team for figuring the structure, giving us finally the chance to burn gems, light them right on fire. Um, and I just went like, I think one and three in the second run. I did very, very poorly, but the deck I was playing was Umori. Um, so my deck is all creatures and lands. And then it plays Winota, Mana Accelerants, um, 
and then top end. And basically the only, the only interaction is brazen borrower. Um, and then the, uh, the other kind of cool card that, is in the deck instead of Neoform, essentially in the Neoform slot, you're playing uh, Sphinx of Foresight, I think it's called. The, the Sphinx from... Um, shoot, now I've forgotten what it's from. The Sphinx of El- from Eldraine, I believe. Two blue and two colorless for a 4-4 four, four that has mm-hmm. flying and at the beginning of your upkeep, you scry one. But also, if it's in your opening hand, you can reveal it and uh, scry three on your first upkeep. So that's like trying to help you get to Winota. The deck essentially, it either has Winota or doesn't. And when when you get to attack, even with like two creatures, even two Winota triggers on time, just can blow the game wide open. Um, yeah. More than that, and you'll often just get the concession immediately, or you might even win on, you can actually win on turn three sometimes. Um, or you might you know, steal two of their lands and then they kind of try to grind it out. But I mean, heroic, heroic effort on the opponent's part. But the games where you don't have Winota are very difficult. So um, yeah, the, the Neoform version, if you don't get a Neoform or Winota, you're in a kind of worse spot. The version I played, at least you have a companion. So you can kind of, you try to, it's a little bit better at trying to, trying to middle it out. But after playing, 10 or 20 matches with the deck. I think I'd really like to try the Neoform one. I guess especially the Companions event. Oh, I'm sorry. Agent Treachery's banned. I can't play this deck anymore. I forgot. Tears. Oh. That's okay, Life though. Life is over. Love is over. This is for the best. Love is over. This is for the best. Um, Agent Treachery being banned kind of makes me more excited about Standard. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what what I saw from Graham, I think he did approximately, approximately equal to me. So, And it, it seemed like he was having fun. I don't know. He had quite a few people watching the stream, I believe. So that's nice. Um, the The tournament format was 4,000 gems to get in. And then you get no prize. Like, you can't get your 4,000 gems back unless you day two. To day two, you have to win seven games. It was best of one. Seven games before taking three losses. Uh, so you mm-hmm. can play up to nine games in each run. But you can also buy in for gems. I think it was 20,000, sorry, for gold. I think it was 20,000 gold. Um, which is like whatever it, whatever it was that's exactly even to the amount of, say, if you were just buying single packs or three packs at a time from the store, you right. would spend this amount of gold at the same rate you would spend 4,000 gems. I, I, I like that the, the grindable currency was an option for it. Yeah. Yeah, that really made it feel kind of okay. Um, mm-hmm. It was still, I'm sure, a huge, you know, heyday for Arena. Like, I, I'm not... I'm not upset that this tournament happened. Um, I, I'm fairly in control of how much money I spend on Magic Arena. I probably spend too much, but not so much that I would consider it even close to being a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I haven't built all of Standard for free by just playing lots and never losing. That would be ideal, obviously. Um, but I think this this type of event coming back more would be great. I would be interested to play it more. Um, and I'm sure that you know, Watsi did pretty well on this event, I, I would imagine, because the amount of money and gems that they're paying back out, I, I don't think mathematically could have come close to equaling the amount of gems and gold that they pulled in. Um, and the gems at least more or less equate to money. So, Yeah, I mean, I, from what I saw from the people I follow on Twitter, 
the conversation was generally pretty positive. Yeah. Um, and the only like negatives I saw about it were, you know, the uh, discussion around what standard is right now. Yeah. Which hopefully becomes uh, better. Hopefully that's better. Right. Sorry, just a little bit back there, Paul was uh, suggesting that maybe Pyromancer Ascension is very similar to Double Vision. And yeah, somewhat. Pyromancer Ascension works a little bit differently where you get to uh, you get to copy, I think, all your spells once you've got it turned on. Sure does. Yeah, but this one, you know, it doesn't allow you to... It's different ho- hoops for different reward, I guess. Remember when Pyromancer Ascension was was playable in Modern... Hey, it might be again now that there's no Luris. Ah, probably not. There's still Urza. Mm. Stupid, sexy Urza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Pyromancer Ascension. One day. One day it will be back. Uh, Pyromancer Ascension, I think, is still the kind of tier two deck that, like, you can definitely just be pretty good at and then, like, get people with because they haven't played it in a long time. And maybe mm. they just don't even know what you're doing for, like, two turns and then it's too late hopefully i mean is there anything better than an opponent like picking up one of your cards reading it raising an eyebrow and being like huh okay sure hope that doesn't kill me i don't know what's going on here anymore the other great time to play pyromancer ascension is just right after they've banned a deck that relies on the graveyard but that seems to keep happening all the time in, in modern and the graveyard removal is always always present always popular me with Pyromancer Ascension hanging out over here on the sidelines with the uh, Golgari Grave Troll stands, wondering, you know, is is this the month? Is this the year where we will return? But the dredge deck coming back into form is actually bad for you, right? Oh, it's terrible. But, I mean, we're we're strange cousins of one another. Of course. Of course. Right. Is there a random sideboard card that just blows up our entire deck? You bet. <laughs> I, I always come back to Ben Wheeler or overhearing Ben Wheeler one day in Yellow Jacket saying, oh, I got a bad feeling in my bones, going to sleeve up Silver Knight to, tonight for Highlander. Mm. Right? Feeling that the red decks are going to come out tonight. Yeah, that is a weird feeling. You're downtown, you're close to the sea. It's a little bit too cold. <laughs> yep. You know, you got an aching in your joints. Yeah, the air smells metallic because the lightning bolts are not far from raining down. Yep. And you find yourself asking, uh, do we have a core firewalker around? <laughs> Just one like in the uncommon box somewhere. Hey, Ed, what's that common white creature that can like give other creatures protection from red? I think it's like a yeah. one, two for one. Also, I'll take a dragon claw talisman as well. Hey, does anyone have a harm's way for trade? <laughs> See, magic is as as Dickie G intended. Hmm. You know who has a harm's way for trade? I bet I do. Do you though? Do you want to take a do you want to take a guess? Is it No, I can't. The possibility space is too large. You can do it. Is it cardkingdom.com? Yes, it's cardkingdom.com. I knew you'd get there. They're offering the trade for currency. That's right. And did you know that if you buy a harm's way from cardkingdom.com and enter our affiliate code by going to cardkingdom.com forward slash LRR, 
Um, that lets them know that we sent you there. And if you include in your comment when you're buying stuff, LRR sent me button, please, or even just button, please. Actually, maybe you have to say LRR. Maybe they have different kinds of buttons. I'm just realizing in the middle of this already way too long spot for Card Kingdom. I would be scandalized to find out. Okay, well, I'd need to go visit their website. No, no, I wouldn't. I mean, I'm not the jealous type. That's all right. I know they have several affiliates. So tell them whoever sent you. It's great. We love we love it when you go to Card Kingdom. Um, but yeah, you could get a button that says sideboarding is an admission of defeat. Or maybe that one's gone and you got something else sweet, like math is for blockers or auto-tap, auto-tap, concede. Who knows? Mm. Um, regardless, you'll get your stuff quickly and probably in whatever condition you requested, and you'll get a funny button that we helped create. And this podcast was also brought to us, or brought to you by you over at our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash LRR. Or is that one loading ready run? Uh, slash loading ready run. Sorry, I just said yeah without even thinking about it. I mean, I'm used to that from talking, so it's okay. I've, yeah. I've got, I'm used to it at this point. Yeah, where somebody's saying something and you just acknowledge it. No, I just mean whenever I'm saying anything, everyone just kind of goes dead in their eyes and just slowly blob, uh, bobs their heads up and down. Well, we're used to you being right. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. That's why. Yeah. Nelson has said a thing that is almost undoubtedly correct. So thank you so much for your support. Uh, at the, uh, the Patreon for helping us keep the lights on at all of our various places and keep the moon base in, uh, you know, good supply of electricity. Mm -hmm. And yeah, on behalf of Cameron and Hello. Paul, who's on tech and Heather, maybe still helps out with these. And Graham's probably going to help out with this one too. Mm -hmm. I'd like to say thank you for watching and good morning, good night, good afternoon, wherever you are. Goodbye. So smooth. Buttery. <laughs> <laughs>